Welcome to the Heroes of Reality Podcast, a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience. Let's jump in with our host, Dylan Watkins, as he introduces today's guest. Welcome, young adventurers. Dylan here. And on today's podcast, I have Wesley King. He supports technology squarely aimed to better humanity and the planet. Alongside a team of cross-functional experts, he focuses on personal wellness, wearables, biohacking, digital health, and consciousness technologies. Life goals is to pursue constant expansion of knowledge across industries uh, and 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 decades in order to improve in any environment of work and life. So without any further delay, I would like to welcome Wesley King. Hey, hey, thank you, Dylan. Hey, brother. Thanks so much, man. I'm so glad you're here. You're back. Happy to be here. Yeah, brother. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'd love to talk about this. Like, so what, like, what got you to take a stand to go in to support these types of technologies? Like, what about, what about the bettering the mankind technologies is something that, that, that makes it, um, investable in your minds? I think um, the, the main point in which I did made that decision is when I recalled my first like five years of corporate uh, feedback when I would get yearly performance reviews. And I would always get like, I would, they'd ask me for to be vulnerable and share kind of what I wanted to do and, and how I really want to impact. And I would always go too big, way too big for them. Uh, I would always say, I want to do, I want to make technologies that are better for the world. I want to. I want to know that I impacted this many millions of people in a year, or I made this many people smile, or provided some reprieve to some people in pain, something like that. And I would yeah. always get the feedback like, "Cool, we're not going to write that down on our performance review, uh, but good to know. Good to know that about you." And I just realized that at that point, I was probably working at too big of companies, and I really wanted to go and work straight where the innovation was happening and where entrepreneurs were rolling up their sleeves and solving specific problems, usually problems from their own life or their family or loved yeah. ones. And uh, th there's really, no, I, I could not think of a better place to put my time and effort mm -hmm. in this life at this point in my life than on those things. It's, it's really a perfect setup for me. I get to work on interesting things with interesting founders and all of them are trying to solve huge problems that are real problems for humanity. And uh, I would not rather put my time anywhere else. That's awesome, man. Yeah, it's it's very rewarding. It always does seem to start out that way with like you have a personal pain. There's something that you mm -hmm. want. There's something that like you you either struggle with or you want to see. Or, or there's always that weird genesis moment that gets you to to say this is something that's worth my time, which mm -hmm. is which is pretty which is pretty cool to see. Um, are there areas of specific interest that get you more excited? Like there's this AI, there's VR, there's biofeedback. Is there is there certain areas that you particular like, or is it just the overall like betterment stuff? Well, I think I, I gave you so to the previous question, I gave you the answer of a moment when I realized what would happen for me in work. Yeah. But I will answer before I get to like what's the most interesting stuff that I'm really excited about. I really want to talk about what personally maybe decide to mm. spend my time and my life on, on impact things. Mm. And uh, for me, it was really uh, realizing that in my mid twenties, I couldn't remember things. I was having to go home from work and sleep or sleep under the desk after lunch. And I knew something was happening to me cognitively, but I couldn't quite figure out what it was. Um, I finally figured out about three years later that I was sleeping above a patch of black mold that was basically triggering my uh, immune system uh, oh. and was affecting me in a, a whole variety of ways, but mostly cognitively. 
Uh, I was in a relationship. I hadn't realized I'd been in a relationship for that long. I thought it had been a year and I was in a relationship for three years. Um, I wasn't storing long-term memories very well. And wow. this was at the age of 25. Um, so I started to really look for what could I do on the nutrition side? I, I just tried so many things during this time. And I realized that there was this ability to personalize your own, uh, your own life, set it up in the way that you want, but also your, you understand your biology and different aspects of your uh, biometrics that you can tune and different things you can put in your body that really help. And so I kind of came to my own personalized diet and approach to kind of using different health and wellness technologies. And it was really that point that forced me into this as, uh, as I couldn't work on anything else. Like there was nothing else because I saw how impactful it was for me. And yeah. that was a, a, a wide variety of diet and technologies and neurofeedback and all this different stuff. So that's yeah. how I, that's how I ended up doing this. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, black mold and things like that. I can get really spooky. If, like like mm -hmm. memory and you're so, you know, connected yeah. to those types of things. I know that like, um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's a one of the things I've looked at because I know my, one of my things that my family struggles with is Alzheimer's and stuff like that. And it's it's a struggle yeah. to see that happen over time because it's like a losing that memory. It's like a piece of you. It's like it's mm -hmm. you, right? And you don't have yeah. that to it. So it's very very motivating to to mm -hmm. to do that. So is that uh, like? Can you talk to me just a little bit about the the biohacker collective and yeah yeah for sure yeah that was it was a real moment uh, of growth for me too and coming into this community i was in los angeles for the last six years essentially mm -hmm. and there was this loose collective of kind of grassroots biohackers so there's not there wasn't a ton of tech coming through there there's a lot of chiropractors and doctors physical therapists models fitness people um that that's what's great about los angeles actually is it's kind of this it's got the, all the amino acids of like health and uh, you can build whatever you, <laughs> whatever you want with it. So I we started to bring this back online myself and another a few co-collaborators really re-kicked this group into gear. And we were able to host these amazing events. And for me, it was a real, like I said, growth moment because I could just have an idea and in LA you can pull it off. So one of the ideas, which is relevant for this is, I thought there's gotta be stuff out there, VR for health and wellness and AR for health and wellness. And so we, we found this space at Cedar sinai Accelerator. Um, we Turns out there's like 10, 15 startups in the area all working on different things, all the way from practicing surgery in VR to uh, meditating in VR with a trip out there in Culver City. Yep. So it, it was just a real moment of realization that, especially in Southern California, at least at that time, you could pull off whatever you wanted in the health and wellness side and educate people, but bring a real uh, scientific rigor to it where you can have the scientists give a setup, then you get into the experiential and learning stuff and putting on different devices and, and just really sharing community with each other. So it was it was a loose collective of people, nonprofit organization that was just there to really share stories with each other on what's working and what's not working for each individual. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. biohacking is super interesting. Like you are your own scientist and doctor mm -hmm. to a degree on yourself. Yeah, exactly. It's really interesting. Yeah. And Cedar Sinai has definitely done a lot of VR work. We were, um, one of my communities that I run online, we were going to be one of their partners for the, it was like a mm -hmm. VR symposium that they're going to be doing. And that was like right when COVID hit. And yeah. so like we went to promote it and then everyone's like, nope, nope, we're shutting down. <laughs> and shutting so down. no one, no one did anything, yeah. but there's a lot of amazing, I mean, there's a lot of amazing, um, uh, companies and things that come out of Cedar Sinai because they have, um, Brandon Spiegel and they got a bunch mm -hmm. of people there that are all focusing on that and they've done some very yeah. very cool experiences uh, 
with uh, with that, I know one of the things I was reading in his book was they had mm-hmm. a thing where it's it forced mysticism, where mm-hmm. it, it causes it causes the identity of the brain to separate from the body um, using wow. haptic signals. So mm-hmm. there's a there's a, a bunch of different steps of it, but essentially you have a suit on that mm-hmm. makes it feel like things are touching your body. And then they basically pull the perspective back. So your body feels here, but then your but then your vision gets pulled back, which forces wow. yeah. an out of body experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was some of the work that they did. I uh, at least I was reading the book, uh, Brandon Spiegel's book, on that topic. But it's a forced mystic experience using VR technology and haptics in a really mm-hmm. interesting way. So um yeah yeah it's that's all that's all super super fascinating stuff that's so yeah. fast that was great i was thinking about that exact topic yesterday not in terms of vr but what would it feel like to have like the experience of your life uh-huh. visually just peeled away uh whether it happens at the end of your life or through some mystical experience where you realize you're not you you don't exist right here because everyone mm-hmm. thinks they exist right here because we this is where we look out of but when you have any kind of embodied experience when you realize you're your attention and perception is coming from somewhere else in your body or even slightly outside of it, that can be a real life changing moment when you realize you're not just walking behind your eyes all the time. Yeah. And and unless you've had an experience like that, it's very hard to realize that there is another option. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, so, that's, a, that's a tricky bit because if you've had an experience like that, you recognize that. Uh, but yeah. if you never had that, it's, it's, it's all, you know, you're, you're in your rose colored glasses or you're a fish in water or whatever the thing might be. So it's, it's really hard to do that. That's why it's, it's the power of virtual reality and other types of, um, expansion technologies, yeah. um, state change, state yeah. change and perspective yeah. changes and all those, all those wonderful things. Um, and and so with the flow hatcher collective you're saying like a lot of things where you just got together and shared stories and insights and learned from each other and it's okay and the whole mission was just how can we better understand ourselves in a way is that kind of was that the purpose of it yeah yeah i think i think it was how can you take each individual's experience grab from them what they've learned see uh-huh. which of that what of that is repeatable and then maybe extrapolate it out into a community or a cohort of people and so it could be everything from one, I, I learned from one guy a very specific breed of Scottish uh, cow that might be perfect for my genes because I have some Scottish genes. And e- eating in line with where your genes came from might make you feel really good. He yeah. tested that, and I tested that, and it, it was really great. Same with sardines from the Spanish region where I'm from, right? I eat these things, and maybe it's just a placebo effect, but I feel really great, and it provides me a ton of energy. Uh, and then all the way to someone who's in full chronic pain every day and the mm-hmm. types of things that they're learning about what gives them reprieve from that pain and sharing that with the community. And then we look for technologies that Mm. actually address both the peak performance side and the chronic pain management side or the chronic condition management side. So that's, uh, and maybe that's a good transition to talk about some of the stuff I'm excited about. What tends to come down to, if you're going to scale the technology into the world, you're gonna want multiple markets to go to. And in order for that to happen, the more foundational that technology is, mm-hmm. then the more impact it's going to have. An example of that would be photobiomodulation and near-infrared light. It's something that all of our cells respond to, um, similar to kind of CBD, THC. Like we have mm-hmm. receptors on all of our cells. It's, it's just a really mm-hmm. interesting fact about our biology, and we can utilize that. So in the case of near-infrared, that could be really great if you can get it into the brain for increasing blood flow and oxygen uptake. Um, which can decrease depressive symptoms, um, treatment-resistant depression. It might be a treatment for that. 
Um, but on the on the same side, using the same dosage, it might be great for peak performance and maybe creating new mitochondria in the prefrontal cortex. Might be really great for esports, for example, um, for for athletes that are doing kind of fast fast switch stuff or fast cognitive things. So that would be a foundational technology that probably has multiple markets for it. And the fact that our own biology is super receptive to that is very interesting, and probably it will lead to more enhanced use cases. Down the road. That's interesting. That's super interesting. Yeah. Uh, when you're talking about uh, uh, photobiomodulations, you're talking about the effect yeah. that light has on the skin and the body. Yeah. Right. Skin and cells. Skin absolutely. Because yes, yeah. Because it's yeah. Because you, you I I remember being at um, Dave Asprey's biohack conference, and you, mm -hmm. I remember sticking a, a light or I was going to stick a light up my nose, and I didn't understand it, and I was like, I just got two in the area where I was like, I don't understand this. This feels like snake oil. I gotta mm -hmm. go. I'm not too <laughs> sure what this does. Um, but I was, I was actually going to be, uh, the, this Thursday, I'm supposed to do a, another podcast with a girl named Sarah Turner, who's the rebel scientist. Okay. And yeah. she's all about photo bio modulations and she's got a bunch of contraptions and things behind her. I didn't know anything about it, but like, that's her area of specialty. Um, and so we're going to, we're going to have a talk about it. Um, nice. when you're talking about like, what are the, for, for you, for, photo biomodulations there's the the one the light of the nose which i don't understand why why we even have that like what are the benefits like i understand like mm -hmm. waking sleeping you know cardio you know there's the circadian rhythms and stuff like that but like what what are the the primitive like why why is it if you stick light up your nose that it, it has those positive benefits like where and where in nature would we come across that or are we yeah. literally just hacking the system no that's, that's that is precisely the exact question to ask. That's okay. Excellent. Because it's it's more than the skin. The skin is uh -huh. where we would naturally get it from. Mm -hmm. All the all the naturally occurring light sources, including the sun, all the information that's contained within that light, and all the kind of nutrients that are almost contained within that light in a way. Like we literally grew up in this reality under this sun. And so that you would expect our biology to respond to those things. Same same way it would respond to the gravity of our world in our universe, same way it would respond to the resonance of our world, uh, the frequency that kind of our planet gives off as well. Everything that lives grew up within that milieu, uh, that environment, and so it's going to be responsive to that. Now, that's natural. And then as soon as you take it into, how do we get that in through this thick skull to the prefrontal cortex? That is, that is biohacking, um, mm. but we look for, is it safe, is it studied? And there's thousands and thousands of studies on how safe photobiomodulation is in the right doses and at the right power, essentially, mm. on the skin. Now it's been tested to, on the brain and it's doing those things that I talked about, uh, glucose uptake and oxygen, like increased metabolism in the area, great blood flow in the area. So um, it's, it's just, a it's to me, biohacking and maybe some of this other stuff, the convergence of consciousness technology and neurotech, it's really about finding those areas just like that where you can embrace what's already very, very natural, kind of mm. reset us to how natural we can be in terms of our biology, and then adding on that additional 20% that you wouldn't be able to do if we weren't a, a very advanced technological society. And I think it's embracing the two things, obviously embracing the natural first, more foundational, but then adding on and utilizing what we have existing in this world today. Mm, super interesting. See, the uh, looking at, how can you use 
look at the natural aspects of humans and say, this is what you do naturally, say meditations or, yeah, okay, great. So how do we take technology plus meditation and supercharge it? Um, you know, for yeah. example, the whole yeah. point of meditation, one type of meditation is to clear the mind and run out of stuff. So if you do deprivation tanks, it's like a form of forced meditation because you're going to run out of, you're going to run out of input and that's going to cause the meditation as an, as an example of a technology right. that could, could assist by taking what do we do what do we know about it and then how do we more aid in that type of environment to get us more of what that thing is versus like the struggling monk on the mountain for 40 years and that and all yeah. that jazz yes right. that, that's awesome yeah. what what uh <laughs> what are some areas of the technologies is it too far for you is there are there certain areas of the biofeedback stuff that even for you to, that someone deep in the space, you're like, that's too much. Like, even though it might be effective, it's too much. Or it might be this, or mm -hmm. is, is anything that like that either wigs you out or you're scared of or things like that, that, that you think is, is you're not going to cross yeah. that line. And like mm -hmm. Elon Musk, get a, get a thing planted into your brain, control it with a Bluetooth computer. Yeah. What, are your, yeah. what are your thoughts? I think, I think the main and easiest filter in mind for me is, is it designed consciously or unconsciously? I believe that if we're looking at things and saying, Let's embrace the way that our world is set up in terms of the planet. Let's embrace mm. how our bodies are set up. As long as we're taking those things into account and saying, we're going to create this conscious technological solution for a specific problem that's going to enhance our betterment, uh, other uh, species on this planet, and the general uh, ecosystem. I think as long as we take those lines, then it's not really about, like, this is too much for me. It's mostly about finding stuff from more of the investor side that's going to scale. So there's a ton of entrepreneurs out there that have created awesome stuff. It, it's got way too many wires. It's too big. It doesn't fit into a sellable thing. Um, there's not a really good business model around it, and there's not a good way to deliver the service to a lot of people. Those are just areas where I can't spend my time focusing just for now because I need to support the ones that are going to impact uh, tens of thousands of millions of people. So that's how I filter it. It's basically down to those two things. Is it designed consciously, and is it ready to scale technologically? And, and useful for us and solving problems. That's great. Let's, let's, yeah. let's break into that a little bit. So, yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, you're talking about there's there's one thing that is, it's 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 interesting, cool technology, and then, but sometimes in like with VR or whatever, it's going to be a gimmick. Yeah. It's a gimmick. It doesn't really yeah. actually serve anything, and it's not designed. It says I always believe that technology is a race between utopia and disaster. And so what you're talking about is consciously is, is, is intentionally using the technology to kind of push us into the direction of utopia and away yeah. from the disaster. Cause it can, you know, it's a technology just magnifies human will. And so mm -hmm. is there, is there an intention behind it to do good? Uh, and the challenge with that though, is if you have it, a, uh, 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 there's a guy I knew from VR that, that had this VR locomotion device that helped you move in VR. Mm -hmm. And it was it was a gigantic, twenty five foot tall hamster ball, that was like <laughs> on a thing, and you were inside of it, and you would run like that. And it was I've had them at, my, at conferences I threw and things yeah. like that. And it was at like this innovation studio that I I was uh, I was developing yeah. at whatever. But it was like it was cool. It solved the problem of locomotion. What's mm -hmm. the likelihood that someone's gonna have this giant hamster? By the way, super funny to try to stop. Cause you're running and you try to stop and just like keep rolling. But it's like, it doesn't, it's cool. Uh, but it doesn't actually, yeah. it's not really applicable. You can't, you can't, you can't, you know, condense it, put it on a clip, put it in there. It doesn't, it doesn't have the mm -hmm. impact that you need. Cause part of it is 
the the use and the other one is 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 how deep is that impact and so i'd love to talk yeah. to you about one there's there's levels of iteration right from from i have an idea mm -hmm. in my head to i have like a deck with nothing to i have something right to have i i am you know raising my series a 100k mrr yeah. we're ready to go bop, 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 bop. um can you talk to me about what point one for specifically for you should people do investment and what point do you like to invest do you like to do early stage part of that or you like to wait until they've already proven it out and they're ready for like series a growth which is a different type of i dice like roll. i like to invest earlier and i mm -hmm. like to fund i like to fundraise for companies a little bit later so i like uh, pre-seed size for investment because mm -hmm. because of all the different companies I see and um, specifically some different markets I understand pretty well from consumer health and biohacking to neurotechnology and what like what's going to work for consumers and how is that going to maybe port into the healthcare system eventually or vice versa how is it going to start in healthcare and then bleed out into consumer behavior uh, I have a pretty good understanding of that so that helps me at the earlier stage identify is this the right team to do this is this the right mm. timing in the market and do they have the right technology? So I kind of look for those three things, at least at a surface or shallow level, team, timing, and technology. And then if they feel like the right team to do that, that's the time to really double down on investing at that early stage, um, help help them with advisory work, help them recruit, help them uh, add new, new, really great team members and resources to the team. Mm. Um, and then in terms of uh, fundraising, I like to focus more on late series A or even a little bit after that where you've got all those metrics that investors are going to look for sophisticated vcs private equity corporate venture family offices that are going to have these filters like the, the 100k mrr that you mentioned the monthly mm -hmm. recurring revenue mm -hmm. where you just don't have as many metrics at the early stage there's not as many kind of filters you can tune to and tune out stuff so i like the chaos a little bit of a little bit earlier but in terms mm -hmm. of fundraising it's definitely easier when you've got those metrics to compare side by side with other technologies and other founders. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's a de-risking thing. Mm -hmm. It's, and, and it's, 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 it's more guaranteed, you know, like, look, this thing yeah. generates, this thing generates me a million. I just need mm -hmm. this. You're like, Oh, well, if that generates you a million in a year, I'll just ABC, you're going to get it back at that thing versus I have an idea and I've got three crazy friends. Right? It's just <laughs> too, like the chasm is so intense. What in terms of team, yeah. What do you yeah. look for in terms of in terms of team? Like, what is like? Do they have to be only coders? Because sometimes Y Combinator is like, you need to know how to code. Other mm -hmm. people are like, look, you just need traction. You don't even need a real owner. Just just sells it, and then outsources what they need to do. Like, mm -hmm. where do you where do you fall? Is there a is there a, a confluence or a mixture of different people that work well together, or is it all one side or the other? What's what's your take on the types of teams? In, in general, it's pretty simple for me. It's essentially, do they, does the founder or the founding team have a good domain experience and some kind of edge, some reason why they feel like they're different than, than other companies? Or they see things differently and they found this little thing or they built something that people are just loving, something like that. And, or they have really high emotional intelligence and they're able to influence. And what I mean by that is they can influence people to join the vision to join the company, they can influence other investors to come and join uh, alongside them as well. And then they don't have such a low level of resilience or self-awareness or other awareness that they're gonna just react when things happen. Uh, they're gonna, they're, they're, I don't want them to lash out at their trusted network of employees and advisors and burn a bunch of bridges either. Uh, I'm really looking for someone who's got the balance to 
to deliver on the vision by being inclusive and by hiring correctly and by having high emotional yeah. intelligence to be able to manage the stresses that are no doubt going to come uh, months and years and, and get constant and it's at points they're going to be overwhelming and do they have the, the right coping mechanisms for that or are the coping mechanisms destructive to the company yeah, that's yeah, really yeah. what i'm looking out looking out for uh, yeah drugs and alcohol everybody it's a great great yeah. coping mechanisms you should totally works there's no there's no negative psychons whatsoever yeah no it's it's actually really cool it's really cool the way you put that because you're right because you have what's your competitive advantage right you're looking at competitive advantage one thing is i'm i'm an expert Right, which you're talking about the, the expert model, yeah. Um, which is like I'm a domain expert. I've I, I created I made the first hologram, or I didn't, but like let's just say, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. So that's uh, and so that, that's really powerful because because then you're yeah. like, oh, they have that edge. But one thing I, I don't really hear too much about is emotional intelligence because the uh, emotional intelligence and resilience are two critical things that like you might get people together that are that are experts, domain experts, yeah, but they 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 they're arrogant or they can't communicate or if something doesn't go the way that they want they they cry and they freak out and they and mm -hmm. they yell at they they project their their own insecurities on the other people just so that they yeah. can they can cope and compensate we don't mm -hmm. it's all it's all a terrible thing so it, it's it sounds like it's a nice mixture to kind of have those different pieces right you yeah. have i, I would it call it it can't be understated what you just said because yeah. as great as the technology sounds and as great as the business plan looks and however, however deep their domain expertise is, nine times out of 10, if they can't handle them themselves and their reactions to things and they put their insecurities on other people, as you said, those things will fail to raise money, those companies, or they'll burn investors' money. They'll burn their customers eventually, but most importantly, they end up burning their inner circle and bridges around advisors and internal team members. I've just that is way more the norm if they're if the setup is like that it's nine times out of ten so it'd be the one the one really poor uh very uh unmanaged individual that lashes out all the time that would be able to get it through and for whatever reason but it's actually the exception rather than the rule i've just seen that happen dozens and dozens of times yeah man it's uh uh it reminds me of um it's two things but there's uh it, in like zoos and parks, they take mm -hmm. cheetahs, right? They take these cheetahs that like they they they're super fast. They're they're high performance things, right? But they're kind of a bit neurotic, and so they pair that with a dog with like a Labrador, mm -hmm. and then they become buddy buddy. And the energy from the dog rubs off on the cheetah, and the cheetah's not so stressed, right? Mm -hmm. And then I was like, it's cool, man, we got this. And so I think <laughs> that pairing of you got that that high performance per person or you know, might throttle hard and you have a highly emotional intelligence person, you can put them together that allows them to achieve more together in that kind yeah. of vibe. Cause you have the domain experts that can mm -hmm. march. And then you have the social emotional people that are like, Hey guys, did we breathe? Did we meditate? Are mm -hmm. we doing good? Do, and, and generally are, do they, they, do they, do you like to be around them? Because if you, it's, I look, it's, I look at it like work versus play work is something you have to do play something you want to do. And when you're mm -hmm. around people for a long period of time and they're, and they might be good at what they are, but they're an asshole or whatever the thing might be, it becomes work and you don't want to do it. But if they're play and they show up, it's like hanging out with your friends and it yeah. makes it enjoyable and you want to invest time versus I'm going to grind through this to be successful because I want to be King monkey. This is, you know, it's, it's, 
it's just not fun, man. Um, so I like that comment. Like we're talking about, it, it makes a lot of sense to me. And that's kind of how I relate it. Um, nice. And it happens, dude. It totally is. Like, I remember like with the first yeah. year of my first entrepreneurship, like over a decade ago, I was like afraid that the government was going to take all my money. And, uh, and I put all this time and energy and I was a terror to everybody around me. At the very end, we didn't make any money uh, mm -hmm. that year. And the, so the government didn't take any money. It, it worked out great. Uh, and so, but I realized I was like, oh my God, I was a terror to everybody for no reason whatsoever. And like, and that was like a decade ago. And I was like, I kind of sat out to be like, okay, how do I not do that again? Like, how <laughs> <laughs> it's just not fun. It's like you want it, but yeah. it's, just, it's too stressful. So, um, mm -hmm. what advice, what advice would you give to people that are like, um, maybe that they, they're, they want to start their own, uh, um, consciousness tech thing but they're they're they maybe it's 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 a challenge or it's it, maybe they don't have a lot of resilience or things like yeah. that what 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 advice would you give to people that are that that want to make it but don't seem to have those those uh social emotional uh, uh intelligence capabilities yeah there's uh, so there's there's two things there's like how, what would i advice i would give to just a general business that's starting in this space and then yeah. and then the second part is the emotional part and the, yeah. the, man the management of stress and resilience and anxieties and huh. the different things that are going to pull down your buffer of resilience and just eventually you're going to be bottoming out and then, and then reacting and reacting to other people. Burn out. Um, yep. The second part is there's stuff coming. There are things that exist for managing that, mm. for measuring that and, and managing that. So you start with something called heart rate variability. That'll give you a really good measure of your stress. Um, there's, there's plenty of ways to measure that out there, all the way from like measuring it on a, on a camera phone with your finger, shining a light through it. Um, other, otherwise wearing a biometric device, either on your finger, on your wrist, so that you can sleep with every night. That will give you a really good idea of when your stress level might start to dip. And there's mm -hmm. ways to coach around that. Uh, there's, there's a few startups that are coaching based on that. So they'll deliver you morning content uh, just for a few minutes to reflect on what you're grateful for, or to really take a few breaths, or to go for a walk somewhere, or find your other way of increasing your HRV or, your, or decreasing your stress. That might be something as simple as like a branch chain amino acid drink that you can find at any Whole Foods or any kind of natural grocery store, um, all the way to uh, doing a meditation or calling a friend or calling a family member. Mm -hmm. So there's ways to manage that. But first, you've got to know, either have the direct awareness yourself, or you can measure that with uh, external devices, right? kind of use that modern day biohacking. And then to your first question, the what I would give uh, in terms of advice to someone starting in this space is what I see getting funded more and more are really cohesive teams of like two to, to eight people that have pretty deep experience. So the reason I point that out is in this space, you've got a lot of individual entrepreneurs working on similar things. And so you can, you can look out there and see like four or five teams that are really small working on similar things. I believe that it would be much easier. And I know this is pretty arrogant kind of sitting on the outside, but I think it would be easier to start combining some of these to work on specific technologies where you double the depth of experience with the team, uh, you're able to probably raise money a lot easier. And that's the reason I, I came to this conclusion. And really that what that comes down to, to generalize that advice is just think about who you can add to your bench that you can influence that are either great advisors or gonna activate revenue for you, or they're gonna activate better investors for you, uh, or they're just really great team members for what you're building in terms mm -hmm. of your service, your technology and add those in preparation for really growing. Uh, I, I see too many people, and it's really tough to turn this corner, trying to do everything with just themselves or maybe one other person and just letting them know that you're going to need to build 
people that believe in you. So you might as well start pitching that vision right now in terms of recruiting people to, to support you. And that support can show up in many, many different ways. Um, but I see too many people heads down just trying to do it all and then just power through. And there's an element of that that's necessary, but there's a time when you, you can kind of reflect and build out on what you need. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And you're right. It's like you, you want to cultivate your own skills internally to be like great at something. Um, but at mm -hmm. the same time, you want to understand that, that if you want to move far, you, you move with the team together. You want to go fast, you mm -hmm. go by yourself. And so I, one, one of the things I've seen when you're talking about that is, you know, a lot of solo entrepreneurs sprint, quit, do something new, sprint, quit, yes, do something yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. Versus if you have 10 people or five people or two people mm -hmm. and you're, and you're like, you're, you know, you're, you're going through it together. And so mm -hmm. you're like, I would quit, but that person's depending on me. Ugh, yeah, I, yeah. I guess I'll show up tomorrow. And so <laughs> it's, that's a, it's a great point. And then if you look at, it sounds like what it is, it's almost like you look at your, 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 your collective organism as an, as a, as a thing. Right. And it's okay. What am I lacking? Uh, I need these. If I need to get money yeah. or I need to get connections or I need to get um, technical superpowers, mm -hmm. then who do I need to bolt on in my roadmap uh, one week, one month, one year out in order to, in order to basically add rocket fuel to the, mm -hmm. to the, to the, you know, the rocket that is the startup. And yeah. so you map that out and then you re recruit that and depending on your ability to influence people and then mm -hmm. keep them around, which is two different skills. Yes. Getting yeah. people to come is one thing. Keeping them there is another. Very different things entirely. Um, but if you can master both those pieces, then you can really uh, kind of power level your company. That's yeah. kind of what I'm hearing you say. Yeah. It is. And I think you're, you're kind of picking up on the kind of the in motion, uh, non-transactional relationship building approach to business. And you mentioned a rocket ship. I kind of tend to liken it to like a train that's moving. Because a lot of times when I'm working with a founder, they're like, wow, um, we need to try to close that investor right now. That was a great conversation. Let's close them tonight or something. And I, I kind of need to remind them that, okay, for example, I work a lot in the health industry. So they're thinking of like, we need to, uh, the investor's like, we're not going to invest until after FDA approval. The investor is going to want them to invest before FDA approval uh, because they need the money right now. And so what I try to tell them is in terms of a train that's moving, communicate, hey, we're a train, we're right here right now. We don't have FDA approval yet. Here's how much we think we're worth. As soon as we have that, then where the next train stop, we're going to be worth about double what we're worth now. And if we get a second approval for a second indication, then you're talking a different train stop down the road. What that communicates to the investor is you've got an idea of what your worth will be at each stage. Then they get to pick when do they want to hop on this moving momentum building train. That, uh, that momentum, if you can communicate that, whether it's in your value, whether it's in the different uh, things that you put on your roadmap in terms of accomplishments, it's how you communicate momentum that gets people interested in what you're doing. And that's all the way from a team member that's going to join to an investor that's going to join. You put a point out there in space, you approach it, then you communicate that you approach that point in space, and then you set the next point, and then you communicate about it, and then you set the next point. It comes down to being able to communicate vision and actually achieve what you say you're going to do, at least within a relative uh, bandwidth. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I uh, often tell people, because I've been, I've been in VR um, – for a, a long time. And, uh, and this was before, like, no one had it. Like I got the first headset from Kickstarter and I was like, Oh, this is great. <laughs> um, but I always feel like I'm, I'm building a town in the desert saying the trains are coming. 
Don't worry. The whole ecosystem's coming. There's going to be mm -hmm. app stores. You're going to be able to do all this incredible stuff. Just not yet. So just like start building your town because it's coming. Um, but I like to kind of flip that a little bit more. So for investors say that the chain itself is actually the startup. And mm -hmm. along the way, it's going to it's going to be gaining momentum and and value as you yeah. move along this train stops. And so, you know, this is our game plan. And it's always yeah. nice because humans love the track. You want to be able to see from left to right this thing yeah. moving and then you can kind of pick at what point mm -hmm. do you intercept it and so i like that i like that visual mm -hmm. um along that path what do you with that being said and the, i think one of the hard things is i think when you have a, a series a company or you're going for it and you're doing 100 mrr it's really easy to like be like math no risk i do this a year half you get your money back or whatever the thing might be insert mm -hmm. whatever it's, it's, it's simple because you've got so much momentum behind that mm -hmm. when people are just starting out and they have the team right maybe that they, they have the right components right um and you talk about the timing is the market ready otherwise known mm -hmm. as the dharma the dharma of the mm -hmm. time right mm -hmm. so you're looking at that what about what about the the whole like traction piece when someone has an idea and they have a team and maybe it's a good fit for the moment like how did they get mm -hmm. traction before building the whole to scale thing? What are your, what are your thoughts mm -hmm. around that? I think there's so many ways. And I'm thinking back on the last 10 people I've worked with and the way that they measure that and the way they communicate that is, is quite different. Uh, it can be number, number of medical clinics that are willing to utilize your beta technology. It can be signups from a direct consumer website, a pre-launch page. It can be backers of an Indiegogo campaign. Uh, it can be, traction on the investment side. Like we just, you know, had a great conversation here. Um, we're, we're seeing a really good fit with um, strategic investors here. And um, we're getting good thumbs up from our um, corporate partners or uh, our potential mm -hmm. buyers of, of the product, whatever it is. So it really comes down to you choosing, you get to choose what metrics you want to communicate. You might get asked about other ones, but you can take that, that chance to, to really define the three things that you pay attention to, because this is how you define success every day and every week. And if, and then if you can then talk about that and communicate that, then you have a good chance of starting a conversation. That's cool. So, okay. So then it's just, it's a choose your own adventure kind of thing. It's like, what, mm -hmm. it, what, what are the metrics that you want to make up for the adventure? And then the, those are the, and those are the, the, mm -hmm. the calling cards of what you're going to say. So it could be yeah, you're a entrepreneur that just has an idea and you pre-sold it a whole bunch. And so you've got a whole bunch of pre-sells yeah, and, yeah. and that's one thing. Another one is you've got good technology and you know, and you can, you can have people try it out and they're like, Oh mm -hmm. wow, that's, I could see what's possible. There's a different angles on what those things yeah. actually, actually do. Um, mm -hmm. um, so if you have the team, is there a certain, and by the way, the one thing I'm asking this, I'm, 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 you know, for anybody that's listening or not listening or whatever is, so I'm running a design challenge where they're going to go and pitch to my friend who's a very successful investor, um, who's invested in the top hits of all, he invested in the first unicorn, um, mm -hmm. of, of VR, uh, uh, Recrum now worth 1.25 billion. And he was the early stage investor in that and then Beat Saber and other things. And so I'm normally I do hackathons where I bring people through and they build prototypes and they show it to judgy people like that. And then yeah. they they you know they go from there and most hackathons never go anywhere but they might keep the team or they might evolve you know it's a, but it's getting mm -hmm. started so this is more of the design side where they're going through and they're coming up with an idea and and the whole thing is teaching them the fundamentals of what i call transformational design 
how that applies to virtual reality, how you can use mm -hmm. virtual reality in those aspects. And then they're going to be putting together information to go pitch to see if they get accepted to go pitch to um, Tipitat mm -hmm. and some, some other people in the space. And so mm -hmm. it's just top of mind only because of today. And it's a lot of, yeah. it's a lot of things. It's, and so um, the question I have around decks, what are the critical pieces of decks? Um, like if someone's going to present this information, what are the, what are the, what are the, the, the areas that you care about? If someone's going to tell you and give you, a, uh, I don't know, like a one to five minute elevator pitch of their thing, mm -hmm. what, 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 do, what's critical for you to know? Yeah. Another, another really great question. And, and coming from the world of hackathons, that's what I used to do too at Cisco. Um, oh, that's okay. really where I got, I got very interested in innovation, kind of corporate innovation, hackathons, spinning things up that work. And then yeah. seeing how do you how do you get budget, how do you get resources, how do you get team behind it? That's actually one of the things I've taken from that giant enterprise and oh, learned. Cool. You know, how, yeah, this is so hard to get it adopted internally at a huge corporation. It's just as hard, it's harder on the outside. But there's there's a lot of fun in that, and you get a lot of really great ideas from that. And you can yeah. build, um, you know, really good skill sets from coming up with these solutions on the fly, and then connecting with your team to make to make those things happen. Um, in terms of of pitch decks. I think one of my favorite things to do is, is communicate the major points of what makes you different, why you're creating a new category. And I work with a few, um, a few people on this, uh, partners at uh, one of the innovation firms I work with. They work on category design. So mm -hmm. we're, we're looking at the startups that we work with or invest in and saying, what, what is the new category? They're not, they're not in this other category. They're not better than, a little bit faster than, and maybe a little bit more of uh, better graphics than this other thing. Instead, they're a brand new category. And it doesn't mean you're always going to find that on your first day as a, as a young team. But yeah. if you think about it that way, I'm like, how are we, like, if a VC were to come to us and, and say, like, what are you guys building that's just so brand new that it's not even in a box yet? What is that, what is that category called? You get to define that. And if you can define that, then you can own the messaging around that. A lot of really great companies have done that, um, and they did it naturally. But they they kind of bring in a team and look at that. How do they do that unnaturally? How do you really think about what your solution is and how it's quite different from what other people are doing? So if that can if that can te be teased out from the deck, that's great. Uh, and then in terms of picking your three uh, traction areas that I mentioned before yeah, and yeah. communicating those, um, talking about some of the early uh, people you've been able to influence to join the team. Uh, or to, to join the advisory team or to become investors. And then on the customer side, if you're customer facing, um, are you are you like a, a business model that's more high volume, low cost, then prove that you have some some high volume, some organic growth and even some kind of paid growth. But if you're more like a service where it's high cost and maybe lower volume, then show that you've got some really good long-term traction with those customers, that they're paying you in a recurring manner uh, and that you have a really good plan for finding new customers because as soon as you get them, you want to keep them for as long as possible, essentially. So there's a few things there. And then in terms of fundraising, one thing I started to do is drop a YouTube, a private YouTube link to a demo video something or something really impactful into your email. Because most investors, I believe, are on Gmail or on a G Suite owned uh, company domain. And they're going to be able to view that video in the email or at least see like a really good preview of it. And I've just noticed that, especially for some of the impact technologies that I'm working with, uh, a video can communicate so much more that maybe in a follow-up to the pitch deck where you're now pulled into the story and maybe it's even resonating your heartstrings a little bit, especially if it's kind of, a, again, an impact technology. And yeah. so I, I believe it's an interplay between using 
your standard pitch deck and then maybe throwing in one other visual component, whether it's a, mm-hmm. a just a quick, quick snapshot or an actual video, graphics mm-hmm. and motion that are gonna really pull people in. I've just, I've just seen such better response with using that, that format of follow-up, essentially. That's awesome. Yeah, and, I, and so just unpacking that. Yeah. So a couple of pieces. One, you're creating what's called a new opportunity, a uh, blue ocean, or you take a red ocean that's all yeah. that's all mm-hmm. bloody and messed up. You take a blue ocean of improv, and you kind of make a purple ocean. You blend those things together. Okay, based on what do we have here and what we're doing here, we're making this new opportunity, and that allows you to, to then define it, coin it, terminize it, yeah. and all that fun stuff, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, uh, honestly enough, it's it's uh, it's part of the things that I. Um, one of the things I'm deeply interested why I had this whole podcast, it's all about yeah. transformational VR. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's me taking what transformational technologies and virtual reality and the things I'm passionate about and going, okay, how do we inspire the creation of this type of stuff? Because I really believe that th- products that are the most stickiest are the ones that actually have uh, transformational effects on the person, either on the inside or the out. They become yeah. someone because of it, right? The, the hero's yeah. journey, you're going to go for this thing, but it's who you become along the way that actually is the thing that makes you want to keep doing the thing. Yeah. So, um, so I love that. I love that concept. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and I think that, yeah, really defining it sets the tone and then taking that and going, okay, we're in a new category, a new space, and this is how we define it. And here's the traction. We have the team. Here mm-hmm. are some metrics around that. This is, this is what we need to do to get to where we want to go. And then right. you have the, you have the logical piece of the traction. And then you mm-hmm. have the emotional piece of some sort of content, which is either video or, mm-hmm. or, or visuals that, compel an emotion so you have the yes. emotion and then the logic so here's the traction and, and mm-hmm. logic yeah. and here's the emotion and you combine that together and you mm-hmm. send that to people in an in a in an email and then you, yes. you say and you say please give me money i swear yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. no, so I, the one 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 kind of process driven thing yeah that a lot of new new founders might not understand investors would be like well yeah of course we do this because they do it all the time but what mm-hmm. happens is you send it to someone at a venture firm they need the right amount of information to be able to make a pretty quick decision on whether it makes sense for them to, to dig in a little bit further. So it's kind of finding that balance between giving them enough so that even if they don't respond to you initially, they still have enough to make it a quick evaluation. And then you need to provide them with enough information as they go into their partners meeting so that they can convince the rest of their team to dig in further. So you need to provide this individual you may have never met with the right amount of information to, to give you a thumbs up in terms of, okay, I'll, I'll look at this a little longer. And then you need to give them the exact right amount to take it to their team and convince them as well. Mm-hmm. And so that's why to me, it's a combination of like the logical, the factual, the category defining, and then throwing in that story, the reason why they might get goosebumps or get passionate about it, or maybe they're just an expert in that domain and they see you as a leader as well. Um, but whatever it is, you have to kind of achieve that level or you'll never get past the partners meeting and they're never going to dig in, essentially. You need to you need to be able to hook them, but not overwhelm them. You don't want to give them mm-hmm. a, a, a a here's my business plan. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's you know twelve point font, single spaced, and yeah. it's hundred pages. And go read it. Read my right. business plan. Yes. No. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. Right. Too much. You need, you need to hook them, and then you can kind of give them more information. But you don't want to like mm-hmm. keep, you don't want to be like frog wah. You don't want to keep shoving right you know, food into the the goose's mouth. So that makes a yeah. makes a ton of sense. Um, what uh like with everything that you're doing here what is your like because you so you 
well, I'll have this just for reference to anybody listening. Mm -hmm. Can you say a little bit about what you do, uh, the company that you run? Mm -hmm. Um, because I because I want to open that up to the basic the next question, which is, you know, what's yeah. your holy grail? What's your ultimate purpose? Like, why are you why did you create this? And and like what 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 do you hope to achieve because of it? Yeah, I think so. I I run a uh, an investment bank called Coherent Capital, and mm -hmm. we help we help transformative technologies raise money, typically around the seed to Series B size. Mm -hmm. Real focus and domain expertise in, in biohacking, transformative tech, and neurotech, at least more recently, and have mapped out as much as possible the investor landscape across all the different time zones around the world. Um, in, in terms of who's looking at life sciences, biotech, biohacking, health and wellness, all that, all that kind of stuff, and some other stuff as well, but that is mostly that. The holy grail for me is, or at least right now, um, we've talked about a little bit about why I do this and what my overall vision is, but for right now, there's this incredible opportunity, this emergence of, uh, of, of measurement and modulation and therapeutic delivery of specific dosages for the individual, and that spans on everything from psychedelics to um, specific supplements, to even pharmaceuticals, to different devices that can deliver outcomes for that individual in a personalized way. So it's mm. precision medicine, it's personalized medicine, it's biohacking at an individual level where you can take a, vibra a vibratory sequence and that can calm your, your body down. That's a company called Apollo, Apollo Neuroscience, helping with stress reduction, anxiety reduction, and focus, right? You can, yeah. take, um, you know, can take sound innovations a company called Audio Cardio that's giving you the specific frequencies for your hearing ranges to challenge your brain to recruit new neurons to hear those ranges. So it basically plays tones at the edge oh, of what you can hear. And your yeah. brain is like, I, I can tell something's going on here. Let me recruit a few more neurons for this specific frequency. And over the course of a few weeks, you can improve your hearing by like 11 decibels, 12 decibels. Oh, that's like cool. That. So we're in this age where there's a mix between what you can deliver digitally what can you can deliver through an algorithm? There's the piece of hardware that actually delivers it to you. And then there's the algorithm that's built just for you. So at least for right now, and I don't know how long this age lasts, you have this these vibraceuticals, electroceuticals, nutraceuticals that are, are alternatives to pharmaceutical medicine, but can actually maybe give you better outcomes in terms of energy um, and in terms of chronic condition management. And I'm not I'm here advocating, because let's say get, get rid of pharmaceuticals. I'm literally just saying, the digitization and the miniaturization of certain hardware components have led us to this age we're living in right now where you yeah. can understand your biology and then deliver to it what it needs in terms of peak performance and stress reduction and chronic condition management, essentially. That's awesome. Yeah. And so, I mean, what you're saying is that we're at a, you're in a unique space now where we, we can get mm -hmm. these large data sets, but we can, uh, yeah. we can optimize our personal health and deliver customized mm -hmm. versus like eat an apple a day. Well, maybe, but not if I'm allergic to apples or whatever. <laughs> sure. You know, you know say? Very yeah. broad stroking yeah. on this one. But the, the <laughs> overall concept is that because of the large data, we can get these little nuances where each person has their own individual individual doses. And that doses doesn't yeah. have to be pharmaceutical. I mean, it can. They could look at your genes mm -hmm. and make custom designer yeah, exactly. drugs for you. Or, you know, they can do, you, you would work better with meditation or a long walk on the beach. Maybe go for mm -hmm. a long walk and call your, call your mom and then that will help with your anxiety you, mm -hmm. as an example. Yeah. So, uh, so that's, that's awesome. What do you think is, uh, what is the, for you, the dragon that you face? Is there something particular that you face that is that, because you have the goal of facilitating and helping all of mm -hmm. these other companies raise raise monies and, and get to where they want to go and, and and really 
helping them with that process. What's what's stopping you? What's the big beast stopping you from getting you to where do you want to go? The I'd say one of the main things that we're currently looking at is just there's there's been because of the investment returns in software have been so great for the last two decades. There's a there's a hesitation. There's a much smaller pool of investors that are willing to look at devices, and what I just explained in a previous answer is that I believe we're at a really amazing age where some devices are going to be able to help in ways that software can't, uh, just mm-hmm. because it needs a delivery mechanism. So there's a bit of a gap in the market in funding, in terms of getting hardware funded, because the returns and the risks, the returns are a little bit lower and the risks are higher for investors. So yeah. I kind of face this ecosystem or macro challenge, but again, that to me creates more of an opportunity than anything else. So in terms of investing, that's what we're looking to raise from our investors for so we can invest in some of these startups right now that are needing this. And then in terms of making good friendships around the world with manufacturers and specific things like that, I, I use it as an opportunity, but it still yeah. is a challenge. It still is a definite yeah. challenge that's going on. It's what you, yeah, capes or crutches, depends on your perspective. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Um, I, I think one other one is like, yeah. I, I tend to I tend to like fall in love with people so much and like their vision and like their personality and like yeah. their, you know, how much impact they're trying to have in the world that I think it might become an issue at some point when I have, such a big network of people that I'm trying to support that some of them might be trying to do similar things and uh, trying to navigate that in terms of um, my own support for people and their vision while still trying to navigate the business world and, and uh, you know, they're going to be competing for customers and, and things like that. So I think that might come up in a few years, but for now, for now, you got too fine. much love, man. You just, yeah. you're, you just love too much. And like, <laughs> can't we all just get along? I love it. Uh, Wesley, any last things you want to say before we wrap that? We go a little bit long, but you know, I got to, okay. uh, I got to learn yeah. about some, some VR and psychedelics. So, um, absolutely. I'm uh, excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, yeah. I don't know if you're going to check it out or not, but, um, yeah. but, uh, yeah. Is there any last things you'd like to say before, uh, you let people know how they can get a hold of you? Uh, I would just say that I'm, I'm incredibly blessed to be working with people in, in technologies that I'm in love with right now. I've mentioned a few, yeah. uh, Metify is the company that's doing that photobiomodulation to the prefrontal cortex. Yeah, cool. Um, there's a company I'm working with co- called cognition with an X in the middle. Um, they're mm-hmm. doing augmented reality for people. Their first app is speech generation. So they're reading your brain waves, um, and then they're reading your intent through eye tracking, or not through eye tracking, but through head movement, so that you can generate speech as someone who might have not have the motor control. So for patients with palsy and ALS, they're opening up the ability to generate speech, interact with smart devices around them, just through reading their brain waves. Yeah. So when, yeah. I, when I see these things that are foundational, where you can build applications on top of them, and they give me goosebumps, that's the stuff that I'm, I'm full out on, all, all in on, on supporting. So I just, I feel incredibly grateful to be like alive and working on this stuff. Uh, if you want to find me, you can find me at biohacking banker on Instagram. And then my company is called coherent capital in terms of the fundraising. Um, so thanks for having me on Dylan. And it's, it's great to talk to someone. I, I like finding an individual. I love it, man. Well, yeah, we'll have some more yeah. chats soon, man. Where do you live at? Yeah. Do you live in LA, LA? I used to live in Los Angeles pre COVID. I'm currently staying in Denver and I might okay. end up in, in Austin or back in Los Angeles after this. I understand. I understand. I know yeah. talking about that one. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, all, right. all right, brother. Hey, have a blessed and beautiful day. I'll talk Thank to you, you. soon. All Thank right. you. Thank you so much. Take care now. My pleasure. Bye. Later. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Heroes of Reality podcast. Check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes. While you're there, you can also take the Heroes quiz to find out what kind of hero you are. Or if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast, Tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.